Academy Award for actor goes to Anthony Hopkins, The Father. You know, this all could have been avoided if everyone just listened to me. Could have just had the bake sale, handed out some honorary Oscars, could have raised a little money, Glenn Close still could have shook her ass, and we all could have gone home happy. But now, <laughs> and we're back. Welcome to another episode of Mike, Mike, and Oscar. I am your co-host, Mike One, co-host also Mike in a moment, as we are here to recap Oscars 2021, the merciful ending of the 2020 film year that really just exploded in all of our faces last night, Michael. It was the ending of John Carpenter's The Thing. <laughs> we're all just, just catatonic right now, staring at each other uh, across the internet. And uh, who's the monster? Is it you? Is it me? <laughs> Is it anyone? Is 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 society? Yeah, well, we doomed? know it's Soderbergh. We know for sure he's infected. <laughs> it's a it's a problem. I mean, we're gonna have we're gonna have some fun things to say, and mm-hmm. we're gonna have some things to celebrate. They're they're mm-hmm. they're there. Uh, look, you know, scroll down up and down our Twitter feed at <laughs> mm and Oscar. Uh, shameless plug there, but I I don't know about you, Mike, but I barely slept. I mean, we we love this year round. We had a blast recording this podcast year round we had a lot of episodes that we're proud of we had a lot of great guests we had a lot of famous guests somehow how are we talking to famous people the bums have won (laughs) as i said uh earlier this year about the you know the lebowski quote there the Mm -hmm. bums did not lose they won we won (laughs) and yet we have the crescendo of just uh what did you call it a wet fart at the uh, end of it all? I, I mean, this was the gut punch to end all gut punch. This yeah. was just uh, and then uh, the wet fart after the gut punch. So this, I yeah, couldn't this even is the level. like we do this on a daily basis, mm-hmm. and I could not stomach the after show. So I couldn't. I just turned it off. Like as soon as they cut to credits. After I was done sitting there like I had just watched Requiem for a Dream for the first time, sitting through the credits with my mouth agape the entire time after what I just saw because I couldn't process it, I just turned my TV off. And I just, I just I went, I took some notes and did some research, but I couldn't stomach the analysis and the the, cel- the forced celebration after what they did. And I guess uh, we're going to recap the show as we always do, and the way we usually do that is we start with the biggest story. And there was no bigger story than what the hell happened in the last 40 minutes of that show last night. So let's get into it. I mean, I thought the show, Mike, mm-hmm. started off horror. I thought it was atrociously paced all night. I thought it started off poorly. I actually started buying into it after about an hour and a half, two hours. And the peak, once the, they did the Glenn Close bit, the name that song, I, I mean, that was 20 minutes to 11 when that started. I wouldn't have put it there, but I thought that was a fun bit. I thought they actually tapped into something unique. You have this close, intimate setting. You have people willing to not take themselves so seriously. It was fun time. I actually like that, you know, going viral social media party aspect of it. And then the awards come out, and we end on Anthony Hopkins winning the final award of the night. And that sentence has a ton for us to unpack right there. Yeah, we got to start at the end. Uh, we got to talk format right at the beginning here. And 
look, Steven Soderbergh and the other Academy producers, they, you know, they made some clear choices here, Michael, for this. Oh, yes, they did. For this broadcast. <laughs> but, you know, they tried to stick to their, to, to the fundamentals, to the principles, right? They decided to feature the presentations and the acceptances of awards and oftentimes the lengthy, uninterrupted presentations and, and acceptances of these Oscars. They did not play anybody off with music. The Harry Nobody. Potter. Yeah, it I mean, didn't matter Harry... how long you were talking, they didn't play you off with music. <laughs> I need to be played off in, with music most of the time on this show, and but you just jump in like you did there, thankfully, because mercifully, you need to. And they had the Harry Potter song in the wings, like the little lullaby, <laughs> and they gave it to Florian Zeller, only a couple notes, because he was under the Eiffel Tower, and he wouldn't shut up. <laughs> Otherwise, they did not play anybody off, and they, they let Laura Dern just gush about all the nominees in her acting category presentation. They let the presentations breathe as well. They're kind of just, all right, we have a live award show with a live audience of the Hollywood uh, elite of this year. Let's let them do their thing. Let's let them be on the red carpet. We'll interview them. Let's let them be in an award show in a cool-ass Union Station venue. I love the production design. I love the set and the set I, design I'm with there. You there. I'm with you there. I thought it looked really, really cool. Excellent. Unique. Uh, I love the Dolby Theater, but this was unique. And, yeah, there's some backstory. Chris Gore, read his tweets. <laughs> mm-hmm. and it's a, it's a fantastic point it's obviously not one that you i mean it's something that la natives know about and apparently union station over there is is a hub for the homeless and he, he rightfully i think criticized how do you turn that from what it is on a day-to-day into this gala red carpet affair and he's asking what happened to all the displaced homeless people that use union station as their uh as their dwelling basically i think it's a it's a fair criticism i didn't know about it well it looked like a garden party from pan am uh, and the Hunger Games are, are on deck for all of us, if you yeah, didn't get that point. reference at, at the beginning. And, of course, yeah, homeless people probably don't fare well under yeah. Lord Snow's yeah. rule in, in that uh, dystopian universe either. Uh, why am I going down this rabbit hole? Look it. I think Steven Soderbergh and company, they made some inspired choices, and it was a double-edged sword all night. Some speeches really worked, the long speech, speech endings of uh, Yeo Jung-yoon and Daniel Kaluuya and, of course, Thomas Vinterberg. Those are some yes. highlights. The meanderings of the Rosetta-capturing octopus filmmakers, good God, they good wouldn't shut up God. either. And there's and look, I mean, there's, there's down-the-card... Uh, great speeches that we're going to talk about, me and Neil, Jumika Wills, etc. As well, awesome. there there were down the card uh, great speeches, and there were there were below, above and below the line great speeches and terrible speeches, both. And it kind of you know uh, as 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 it always does. Like if you're not editing this show, Mike, if you're not post editing, you're gonna live and die. You're gonna go with all those you know those sways of momentum with an Oscars broadcast like this. It just you know, at the end of the day, uh, of course, you want to set that set the whole thing up, right? You want to set the whole thing up for your lone no show of the evening to uh, just get uh, played off by a by a, a Joaquin Phoenix who's just aggravated that it wasn't given to his. I wonder Gunda. if he knew. I wonder if he knew. And yeah, he's aggravated at that moment. He doesn't want to be the kerplunk at the end of the night, yeah. as they said on Next Best Picture. And Anthony Hopkins avoided the whole scene. He's 84. He doesn't give an F. He understood that it was a lose-lose for him in many ways. And he doesn't he doesn't want to go to the Eiffel Tower to broadcast this thing. I get it. He wants to go to the last last exotic Marigold Hotel. Doesn't, where, doesn't want to leave his flat, yeah. He wants to get up at the ass crack <laughs> of dawn in Wales 
and deliver an awkward acceptance speech. But the presentation overall, Mike, I mean, I don't want to hear anyone in the Academy bitch about ratings this year. Like, it looked beautiful, but I watched with my brother. uh, I watched a little bit with my mother before she had to go. You watched with your family before they had... Like, nobody who's a Fairweather... My brother is not a Fairweather film fan. He's he's an intensive film fan. Mm -hmm. And he didn't know half of these people and half of these noms. And the show was structured. I saw somebody tweet that last year's show started with Brad Pitt, and this year's show starts with the writing categories and, you know, and a recognition of art. And it's like, you're not doing anything to appeal... To the Fairweather film fan. This entire show seemed like one that was structured and created for basically film Twitter, for lack of a better... Like, the the total film dweebs, the nerds. And that's cool. (laughs) And maybe the Academy said, look, this year has been what it was. This is going to be only for film lovers, the most desperate or the most intense film fans that live and die by this stuff. So we're going to give this as as a cookie to them as a thank you for being here with us all year after this difficult year we had. And that's fine. But don't complain... When the the ratings come in, what they're going to be for something like this. They wanted to play to their base. They wanted to play to the industry at large. They didn't necessarily prioritize the promotional aspect. They didn't show clips for every category. They showed clips for the film categories. That was it. They didn't show them for the Yeah, no no clips. The categories were, never mind where Best Picture and Best Actor were presented. The categories all night were presented in such a weird order, in a weird way. You had major categories early in the show but not opening your show i mean if you're gonna do something like best director as early as you did it why not have it be the first award of the night at least you're gonna have an attention grabber it's one of the biggest categories people are gonna be tuning in you have bong joon ho from last year giving a, an eloquent speech who, who was lit beautifully in that cinema in seoul by the way but uh, like do that don't i don't know what they were thinking as far as structuring some of this stuff and i think that led to the the, the pacing of this show all night i really was not a fan of we're going to get into it in a minute but they had an easy conservative solid win and structure built in where yes they could have opened with chloe zhao sure accepting best director okay it was chalk we all knew it was yeah she was the favorite uh everybody liked nomadland it was an easy safe opening where she's been great throughout a terrible precursor award season and she's of- gonna be your next marvel yeah. auteur and she you know she's on the verge of being the super duper star anyway here's your chance to familiarize yourself with her hey if you haven't seen nomadland she just won best director for it maybe go check it out you know you could have hooked the the fair i don't know i don't mean to call them fairweather but the not so intensive film fans as as we are, and all of us on film Twitter who do this, there was an easy path to that. You could have opened and closed the night with Nomadland and Cl- Acceleration of Chloe's out. But what they did was just baffling. My family left about an hour into the show as well. And I had this impromptu Oscars party that was great and terrible. It was terrible in the fact that they peppered me with literally a hundred questions. <laughs> but it was great because I got to spend like four Who's or five hours with them Who's that in the guy? pre-show. Who's that guy? Yeah, who's that what's, guy? what's his filmography? Uh, <laughs> what movie is he in? Who's the, uh, That was all night. I was there IMDb all night, and it was kind of annoying, I'm not going to lie. But we also ate dinner to Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, Mike. They put that on in the other room while, <sighs> you know, while half of us were, you know, they were going back and forth between the rooms. It was great. We literally ate a huge family dinner in front of the end of all things of Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. <laughs> I couldn't believe it. I was like, this is a joyous thing for me. What a movie. What a way to... You know, end this bizarre year. We're watching the hippie scene, <laughs> and if that's not a if that's not a statement on what should have won Best Picture, let I won't go oh down there. Right anyway, but look, I mean, the, the of course Soderbergh and company played to their base, but when you ride that tiger, as we've seen in politics, and again, 
I'm not talking about any p- particular political party here. Just in Trump. Any, yep. Look, I mean, <laughs> the base is fanatical. And when you ride that dragon, when you ride that tiger, I mean, you're going to get eaten if you don't know exactly what that base wants. You're going to get thrown off into the open sky, Michael. I need my Game of well, Thrones prequels very, very soon. But like <laughs> like film Twitter, we can't agree on which Game of Thrones prequels we want. WB doesn't even know. And, and now you want to throw me off and, uh, into this open sky. Well, so <laughs> I guess this is where we're all heading. This is the biggest story of the night is that if you're going to do at the end of the show what Steven Soderbergh and company did, you have to know the results. And mm-hmm. I was sure, I mean, for those of you who, who are listening and for some reason didn't know by now or didn't watch the Oscars, uh, we can tell you Joaquin Phoenix came out at the end of the night. Yes, lead actor was the final award presented at the end of the night, not Best Picture, which went on third to last. And Joaquin Phoenix gave Best Actor, not to Chadwick Boseman, but to Sir Anthony Hopkins. If you're going to do that, I was defending the Academy's decision. I was like, look, this is obviously they know who's going to win. They think it's a, a, going to be this beautiful moment. Uh, Chadwick's whole family. I think his mother was in attendance. His his, his widow could have given a speech. Taylor Simone Ledward could have given a speech. It would have been the moment of the night. And, and that didn't happen. And I don't know how you gamble. I mean, you the stakes in which you do that with, the downside so far outweighs the upside if you don't know. I thought the only way they could have made that decision is if they did break their own protocol and, of course, knew Chadwick was going to win. And that's why I was okay with it. And I think it sent everyone on this emotional roller coaster by the time Best Picture was presented third to last. So everyone was saying, wait a minute, why is it going out of order? Oh, okay, it's going to be Chadwick. I guess that kind of makes sense because it's this really crazy year and he was this really awesome unique hero and individual let's give this moment to celebrate him and then it wasn't that and then they just roll to credits and fade it's like it was gut punch after gut punch i i feel like collectively all of us who are these intense film fans who the show was for like you just said wrote it till the end and we're all full of piss and vinegar now i mean i don't know anyone who's pleased with what happened and it's not just like either pleased or they're like, eh, about it. Everyone's up in arms and outraged about it, and I feel rightfully so. I mean, I was disgusted last night by the way that ended. It was embarrassing, and it's an unmitigated disaster, and Anthony Hopkins is upset about it, and Francis McDormand was upset about it. And, and that's, the, that's the sickest part, Mike. It's like, it's yes, it's, it's sad about Chadwick, but it takes away from a Hopkins moment, too. It takes away from Francis McDormand. It takes away from Chloe Zhao and Nomadland's moment. It's, uh, it's so unnecessarily cruel. And it, it, was it purposefully cruel? No. But was it a gamble that you have said throughout the last 12 hours was basically bordering on negligent right negligence it's just traumatic actually traumatic i cannot fathom being a member of the bozeman family and that you have to think they're doing something very nice here for chadwick at the end of this the black community at large michael yes my god an icon like him hopefully getting that moment to pay tribute to him yes more so than just a expedited in memoriam segment what I, I like, and it'd be one thing if we didn't like if Taylor Simone Ledward hadn't become her own amazing pillar of strength throughout this lead up in the precursor. If we hadn't she, known ourselves, but she's been the moment of the night for every speech she's given, and we knew yeah. if this is for the most intense film fans, we all know who Taylor Simone Ledward is now. We know the strength, the bravery, the 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 face of just 
undeniable awesomeness that she ha has become and is and was clearly in Chadwick's life. And all I could do in that moment was think of her. And I hope she knew. I, I pray to God she knew what they were doing. I, I, I just, I can't, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm so angry and frustrated at what happened. I can't believe the Price Waterhouse Jokers did their job for once. And they kept this. <laughs> truly, truly. They kept the winners a secret for once. Truly. Even from the ABC's, you know, producers on this. And, and those lunatics gambled. And it, I, can't, I can't remember a, a bigger backfire on live TV. This is not the Moonlight scenario. The Moonlight no. scenario was a triumphant mistake. Yes. It was a gaffe. Total celebration. That, Right, it was a gaffe that okay, you know, La La Land people were up were upset, but they handled it really well. I thought with class, uh, I I was I was very impressed uh, by by yeah. How I mean that that, that was went down. that was a, a total celebration, and and La La Land had their own moment within there because they were actually the ones who announced that Moonlight won. Yeah. You know, I mean, La La, this La Land was won. Just, La La Land won the most awards that night. They won mm -hmm. all night. This was a different scenario to 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 basically. End on just this wah, wah, wah. And it was the most awkward thing, especially because it was the antithesis of what you built that show to be. You built that show to be presenters and acceptance speeches. And you had <laughs> you had Rita Moreno uh, and you had Chloe Zhao and Francis McDormand built in. It could have ended on the wolf howl, Michael. We're yeah, about to get to it. Absolutely. It could have ended there. And that would have been... A cool ending. I mean, it would have been the glorious ending of all time. No, look, the Chadwick Boseman tribute ending would have been a moment. It would have, it would been, have been the moment, moment of the last ninety-three years. I, you I know, mean, it would have been awesome. It, it would have been. It would have been different. It would have been different to end an Oscars on on a moment where we're probably all in tears. It, it, that would have been different. Sure. But, but I agree. I agree. It could have been. It could have been an incredible moment. And of course, they were banking on that. Of course, they were banking but, on but him. But you can't. He's a minus twelve hundred favorite. Yeah. But I, this is what I don't understand. Like, you can't. There's you. Can't, you don't bank on that. You can't. I can't fathom. I was defending it so because it, in my mind it was like there's no way. You you can't. There's you don't gamble with those with those stakes. You can't. I don't understand. I think I truly think someone from the Academy or Soderbergh himself or whoever directed the show, somebody needs to come out and give an explanation. And right. the explanation needs to be more than, well, we were just sure Chadwick was going to win. Because you do so much harm by doing this the way it did. I mean, there's so many layers and levels to this. We're coming off of Glenn Close doing a great comedic bit that was very... I, I I adored it, but it was very against the tone of that the rest of the evening was up to that point. We go right into Best Picture being uh, third to last, which was shocking. We don't get a chance to catch our breath as to why they're doing Best Picture third to last before Francis McDormand pulls off the upset officially. And by the way, the Francis McDormand win was predecessed by Renee Zellweger coming out. And every year they have last year's lead actress winner present Best Actor, not Best Actress. So everyone thought they were putting lead actor on second to last and ending with lead actress in that moment and that caused its own we didn't get a chance to catch our breath and by the way at the end of catching not being able to catch your breath at the end of the show we're going to kick you all in the nuts with what we did to chadwick and take sure. away from it sir anthony hopkins moment on top of it it's so bizarre and unnecessary and of their own doing it could have been completely avoided uh and no they they understood the the gamble they were taking they understood it because anthony hopkins won the bafta they understood it because even sure, last night yes 
Riz Ahmed, or a few nights ago, Riz Ahmed won the uh, spirit. They understood that Chadwick Boseman was going down or, or drifting uh, in the Vegas gambling odds. They understood in the sense that you could have best picture precede Francis McDormand's win after she mm-hmm. won the BAFTA. They understood that these moments could be stepped on by the format, and they took the gamble anyway, and it blew up into their faces. It is easily the dumbest call in the history of live award shows, maybe in the history of live television, Michael. We've watched a lot of live television in our day, and I have never seen, I can't remember seeing a bigger flop than what what happened here. Uh, I mean, I asked, I, I tweeted immediately after. I was like, did that ju- that moment just make this the worst televised Oscars of all time? And there was, I think, over 100 likes on that by, before I, you know, I, I woke yeah. up this morning. So it's like, we're not alone. And again, it, it, there's so many layers to this that just blow my mind. If you're making the conscious decision to make this for film fans, then you don't make that gamble. You can't. There's no gamble to make. You it's a non-starter for me. Right, that's what I mean. To. It's it's a total non-starter. It, for anyone with a brain, it would be a non-starter. If you're going to get the most ardent, passionate film fans who uh, cheat, treat Chadwick as the god he is anyway, <laughs> why risk spinning on his grave in that way? I agree. I agree. You could have begun and ended the show with Chloe Zhao and Francis McDormand, and at least the and producer Francis McDormand, yeah. giving that howl. <laughs> would have been cool. Would have been so it was, cool. It's fun. It's weird. She's always weird. But instead, you know, her her husband is just getting a cutaway shot, like looking like, oh my god, is she gonna <laughs> go off on these people for the next year? And I'm gonna have, <laughs> yeah. I mean, you saw the husband. You saw the quarantined husband look in that moment because, and, and look. I'm I'm saying this on purpose because Frances McDormand controls her face. She controls her facial expressions. <laughs> she looked angry to me accepting Best Actress. She looked angry to me walking to the stage for yeah, Best Picture. I'm with because you. like she's like, this is BS. Why yeah. am I going up here now? This is stepping on the moment of the night. This should be the last moment. We we should have Swanky and Linda May up there. I'm so glad they looked as beautiful as they did. They're up there on the Oscars stage, this glorious stage with uh, Chloe Zhao giving a another poised, wonderful speech, thanking all the people they met on the road, teaching us resilience and hope and reminding us all of what true kindness is. And then you have Francis McDormand getting up there saying, go back to the movie theaters, watch this on the biggest screen possible, yeah. go watch all these nominated films. And then she howls at the moon which must have been like this battle cry you know that they had on set because she's an improvisational genius improvising most of that film i guess so we had this built in they could have they could have paid off with 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 a strong ending maybe it's not the wow ending of a lifetime like you said the best moment in 93 years yeah sure sure but sure, it could have been it could have been memorable, and and that's that to me is the greatest crime of all of this because it's not just against Chadwick, like I said, it's a it, it's it's denigrating the moment for for Francis McDormand, for Anthony Hopkins, for Chloe Zhao, for the entire cast and, and crew of Nomadland. Instead of this being the show where McDormand won her third, yeah, or the show where Hopkins won his second, or the show where Chloe Zhao won won two personally by herself, this becomes. That Oscars show that screwed everything up in the end. With the and format. that sucks. Because they could have had the in memoriam segment 
end with a, a beautiful moment, you know, just lingering on Chadwick Boseman's picture in the hammer spot at the yeah. very least. And he did have tributes throughout this season. And okay, if he's going to win to a deserving performance in Anthony Hopkins, or if he's going to lose to Anthony Hopkins, we understood that. We said all year exactly. on the exactly. merits, it was, a, it was a great race. It was a great category. Riz Ahmed's performance was great. Steven Yun. I mean, Delroy Lindo was snubbed. He wasn't mm-hmm. even here. Gary Oldman's best performance of career. We love that category. We thought they were all worthy, honestly. I mean, that's part of what's pissing us off, is we don't get a chance to celebrate Anthony Hopkins' win right now. We don't even get a chance to celebrate lead actress, which was right our favorite category <laughs> right. of the last few years, Mike. That was another all-time great one. Unprecedented. Someone different winning every week. And Frances McDormand got her third, and she gives this expedited speech about the sword is in the work, and I like to work, and great. Yeah. What the hell? She was pissed. Uh, I wonder, with how Kurt and McDormand actually won her fourth on the night, too, as a producer. Uh, right, correct. But with how Kurt and short Joaquin Phoenix was, I wonder if he looked at the envelope beforehand. I, I, I'm just, that's just coming to me now, but I, I, it's something we're going to have to live with for a while. I mean, I, my heart, I, I, there's no words that can go out to Chadwick Boseman's family and friends if they were watching last night. I, I hope they took everything in stride. I can't imagine what they're going through. I, I would, I would just be beside myself. I'm, I'm, I'm wholly embarrassed to have participated in whatever ratings that show does get last night because of how it ended. But I guess uh, you have any final words here, Mike, before we start recapping the show in whole, or uh, are we ready to move on? Well, I'm ready to transition because, again, there's highs and lows like any yep. any award show, and we'll kind of end with the you know the Glenn Close moment. We'll talk about the In Memoriam seg- segment briefly to end it. Uh, but, yeah, we'll, we'll restart it up at the top of the show. All right, so like Mike just said, let's rewind all the way to the beginning and before the beginning. Let's talk about the red carpet and some moments from the pre-show, uh, which did feature fashion and also featured some performances. And some Jinx outfits, Michael, that you Stop wearing about. gold! Stop it! Don't wear gold! <laughs> Leslie Odom Jr., I wish I could have re-bet original song. That golden tux was magnificent. <laughs> uh, you were going to lose with it. Andrew Day, if anybody thought she was going to win after getting there in a gold dress, Carrie Mulligan. <laughs> Carrie Mulligan, too, yeah. Oh, no. Just stop wearing gold. It is a Jinx at this point. It is a Jinx. Fully. Full stop. I don't know why people... I mean, I guess there was the... the what was a documentary short where the guys had gold trim on their tuxes? They, they ended up winning. That's so. how you're stretching right now. You're stretching yeah. the trim on documentary <laughs> short tuxes. And that was more like yellow, I would say. Um, what, what did you think about the, uh, having the pre-recorded, pre-taped original song nominees? Well, they were a hit in the whole house and the whole Oscar party. We watched mm-hmm. all the original song or mo- most of them, uh, as a group, and uh, th- they were a big hit. We loved the rooftop there at the Academy Museum. I mean, it's a way to feature it. Of course, I prefer them into the body of the actual broadcast. Right. Look, I mean, you and I have talked about the issues with the original song category. We could do the whole ringer, big picture, Amanda Dobbins thing where we're, where we're like, all right, these are credit songs. Are they in the movie? Only one's in the movie. It- it's right. a strange category. But I do think... I do think we had some some great performances there, and they ended on the hammer spot with uh, with her, and I love that. And we it was a omen of things to come on the night. Yeah, it certainly was, and I'm I'm again just upset about that original song. I said all year long, 
that song needed more traction. It should have been taken more seriously. As I can, I'm, I'm beyond thrilled that it won. I think the Academy made the right decision there, but I don't know why it had. You could have made a lot of money on that because even going into last night, I think that that song "Fight for You" was I think 33 to one. Right, and, and let, let's be honest, we, we've made a lot of good calls throughout the season. We predicted basically everything that was happening. We talked about the late movement. We were tweeting about it. We did our last episode on it. Nothing really surprised us on the night except for the dumbass format of the show. <laughs> but So we, we had you guys ready. I'm, I'm not saying that, but we did terrible in our predictions. Like, I am embarrassed of myself. My official predictions, and I felt terrible about them going in. I was like, I'm being principled here, like you say. I'm being stubborn. I did very well last year i got 20 right last year this year like 15 i i'm just humiliated at at my yeah. number of right you got you did much better you got like 17 or 18 there i did I, I tell you what i i know i started like 11 for 12 or something like that and like everyone else did i mean it was pretty much chalk except Everybody for i think me, Colette. Yeah, i'm humiliated yeah <laughs> You, got, you didn't change your adapted screenplay. That's why you were behind there. But. I knew what was changing <laughs> the morning, and I'm like, that's like not fair for me to change it now when the money's moving. Like I expected. Oh, like, I see. So you're a man of too much principle. This is what you're saying. That's also a lie, though, because I was like, wait a minute. The Golden Globes, half the money movement was right and half the money movement was wrong at the Golden Globes when we were following it. So this rookie mistakes. The money movement, though, as far as the Sunday morning goes, the money biggest money movers on Sunday morning were they did bear fruit. I mean, those are the ones that won. There was three uh, specifically cinematography, adapted screenplay. Uh, I forget the third off the top of my head. I should have wrote it somewhere in the doc here. We'll get to it. But uh, those were the ones that, that did the best and they ended up winning Oscars. Yeah, David Long was just just tweeting gleefully at us all night. Fucking our, Scrooge McDuck over there. He's our betting buddy, <laughs> and he was thrilled. Poor Scott Yeager, though, was DMing me. He's like, he had some, <laughs> oh, he had some odds that I was, you know, affirming with him and DMs. I was like, yeah, I think that looks good. I mm-hmm. feel confident. Ah, oh, my dick, Scott. I'm sorry. We'll have to have you on the show at some point to talk <laughs> through that roller coaster. But look, I think. Uh, I think Viola Davis and Maria Bakalova on the red carpet. It was fun. They're miming shots. They're professional actors miming shots. And, of mm-hmm. course, they're great at miming things. And that was a, a fun moment. You had Riz Ahmed doing his wife's hair and fixing her hair. It was adorable. We had, that was cute. We have Coleman Domingo in a hot pink suit, for Christ's <laughs> sake. That was awesome. And and you have Ann Thompson tweeting about, I needed this red carpet. It was yeah. really fun. It was really fun. Look, I mean, there's some weird fashion choices in there and they did some ambitious ones but i mean <laughs> overall the pre-shows had their moments we had the tribute to chad chadwick boseman with the dancing kids in it I, that that made me cry we had the big screen you know save uh, the big screen is back hashtag or whatever uh that that was a, a really wonderful thing interviewing all of the theater workers who yeah, I mean, have gotten through the pandemic, and I wish they had that in the main show, for Christ's sake. I, that it blew my mind. We didn't get a mention about saving theaters or watching things in the in theatrical experience or anything like that until Francis McDormand mentioned it. And I, like I said, that was at 11.07 Eastern time. Yeah, I mean, we went through over three hours celebrating on movie's biggest night where it's supposed to be all about the, the, the movie experience and how you watch movies, and nobody mentioned theaters until after 11 p.m. I'm at my most cynical with that because of the billions being made on streaming. I'm going to hold that back for now. Yeah. Look, we've done show after show on it, and we've had some hot takes that uh, film Twitter has not liked, let's just say. <laughs> Even though you and I love the theatrical movie-going experience, we're very worried right now. We're worried it's despite. It's dying. We're worried it's dying. despite the box office numbers going back up globally. Going, I mean, yeah. There are some good signs out there. We're, we're, 
We're hoping that it can rebound. We want all of you to safely go back to the movie theaters. Yeah. But it is scary for sure. And they should have done more to yeah. celebrate movie theaters. They should have done more than just Bong Joon-ho in a soul theater. They should have done more than just Francis McDormand, you know, going off the cuff at the end of the night. That's not, yeah. that's not right. It's not right. And it's not smart, in my opinion. Either. We went from Ann Thompson being on our show and saying how the whole night could have been and probably would look like a fundraiser for the theatrical to having it not mentioned until 1107. No, it was, it was not a bake sale at all. It was yeah. kick the homeless out of this beautiful station. Oh and, my uh, God. Hypocrisy at an all time high. Yeah. <laughs> I try not to swear. I'm trying to make this safer the works for, for, for work. Sorry. <laughs> all right. Uh, Mike, let's start at the opening of the show because we did have a cool tracking shot. here. Very, very cool opening of like a, PTA slash David O. Russell type vibe as we had Regina King, who looked like an actual goddess. I mean, she looked so beautiful. Uh, Starting, grabbing an Oscar, going, walking through the lobby and and like making her way onto the stage there in Union Station. She started off with, I thought, a very eloquent, a beautiful speech uh, and went right into the the Derek Chauvin trial. If things had gone differently this week in Minnesota, I might have traded my heels for marching boots. I thought that was... Cool. I mean, to go right into the issues. And that gave me hope for the night. I thought this was going to be an impactful, you know, I don't care that you don't want to keep your politics out of Hollywood. This is what we're all about. This is what we stand for type thing. I was looking forward to that. That didn't really come to be uh, full force. It was kind of on the fence with that, though, a little, Mike, because she she made the statement. And yeah. I think everybody in, in my Oscars party kind of clenched with it. And I could see them, you know, I mean, again, I, I'm. Oh, I'm it ruffled so- feathers. Yeah. It ruffled feathers, for and sure. that's fine, and that's fine. And and she, she, she made the statement, and then she backed off of it and say, and, and kind of said, "All right, we're 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 talking through the COVID issues, we're talking through, uh, the the social distancing, and what we did tonight. It's just like what we do on film sets right now to make them safe. Everybody's tested and retested. Everybody's vaccinated. She she kind of jumped around and economically talked about." The elephants in the room. She talked about the reckoning with social justice. She talked about the industry issues. She talked about uh, the fact that we're doing an award show after the, the year where uh, from hell, the apocalypse. And then she talked about how we're dealing with the global pandemic that's still there. She talked about all of this in an opening after the coolest walk up ever into a, an Oscar ceremony. And I, you know, again, I just think it's it's. It was on the edge of a tightrope right there from the beginning, but she still pulled it off. If you're letting Regina King carry your opening, Regina King's going to carry that opening right. and make it work. And and I I was I thought she was successful. I I agree. I had high hopes. I mean, I I loved the the speech she gave, and she goes right into the backstory and the presentations were this way for most of the categories. They tried to weave in these backstories into the nominees, and she mm-hmm. basically started talking about the highlights from each nominee for original screenplay and things she appreciated she found dear about them i thought that was kind of cool it did make it run a little lengthy but she ended up giving original screenplay the first award of the night to emerald Fennell for promising young woman and it was after you know talking about the martyr brothers catering business and derek c on france mm-hmm. puppy mugs and you're right and and we get emerald Fennell up there uh giving a, a speech and she's stunned and it's one of those moments that you want at an oscars you want somebody who's genuinely bowled over now she gave a very messy speech <laughs> both writers the writers gave the worst speeches yeah they did what are they doing florian zeller just wouldn't shut up and i i'm glad 
day one. I'm genuinely glad. I thought the father's screenplay was excellent, even though I should have picked it. I just thought they'd go with Nomadland. I'm an idiot. Uh, original screenplay. I thought Promising Young Woman's that was the screenplay of the year for me. So I, I agreed with it, but they did the two writers, the professional awardable screenwriters bomb their written yeah. speeches damn yeah it. emerald Fennell kind of stumbling over her words and going short and then right next was uh regina king giving an adapted screenplay to florian zeller and company and christopher hampton uh for the father and they went way too long way too long no i can't believe i can't believe florian zeller under the eiffel tower <laughs> Just, I mean, maybe they just w- wanted him to, to keep going under the Eiffel Tower to show off that set. Like, I mean, we're jaded, and I know, like, we know that, and this is the, how dare we criticize, the, this is the biggest night of this man's life, but still, it was, it was a long speech. But Laura Dern comes out on a dress made of uh, the, the hides of Muppets. You wrote that, and I laughed out loud. You fought at that. That was very good. What is she doing? Why? Why? It looks like the the end of Dumb and Dumber when Harry and Lloyd go on a shopping spree and they get those frilly boots. Who in God's name gave her that dress? It was the reverse Big Bird. It was nuts. And I know she's tall, and I know I say the darndest things. I'm an ass. But what is she doing? I, she, she did great up there. She's wearing a fucking cloud of silly string. What uh, is she doing? Her in that dress to, like be at the after party run into Bjork in her like swan gown and they just eye each other up and down <laughs> yeah it was a bizarro at least the the swan thing was like all right that's Bjork but this is your potential <laughs> academy president this is the person that's supposed to have her shit together oh well, she was there uh she gave international feature best international feature to another round uh why didn't we lock this category up another round was dominant well, it, it was a great category. It was a sneaky great category. Quo Vadis Aida overperformed, getting that BAFTA Best Director nom. We had Vegas shortening Quo Vadis Aida's odds, even though another round was becoming a heavier favorite somehow. We saw that in a couple categories. Mm-hmm. We knew that Thomas Vinterberg's director Oscar nom was probably the cinching of this one that right. would get watched, that another round would get the votes here. And in my opinion, it was the best international film of the year. So I, I agreed with the decision but i i do think that uh we we didn't lock it for that reason we shouldn't have locked anything for any reason we we should have that's a lesson again because we got one out of five locks wrong we're idiots we're assholes we're arrogant when we we paid the price can't wait to do it all again next year uh vinterberg had one of the moments of the night still getting teary eyed talking about his daughter who he lost during shooting of another round i mean that was heart-wrenching the poise and the grace of that man this was the example of the long speech I mean, in terms of format, because I'm I'm that emotionally yeah. deflecting right now because that speech really got to me. I was I was in tears. I mean, it was yeah. like Nama Junis winning and getting the belt put on her the night before. I mean, it was uh, yeah, it's UFC because I watched fight I, again. I was like family weekend people. I so thought was, you sneezed there. Yeah. No, <laughs> she was getting the belt around her and she started to cry. I was like, oh, my God, if I'm crying at the UFC the night before the Oscars, what am I going to do at the Oscars? And, and he delivers the speech and I, I'm a mess and uh, I'm, I'm hiding my face from my family. And just, yeah, knowing the backstory, knowing the bittersweetness of another round. I just rewatched it this week. It's on Hulu. Yeah, I mean, ch- check it out. It's a great film. It, it's, it's, it's a film that's going to make you very sad, but, it, but it's worth it. It's worth a watch. So is that category. The rest of the category is excellent. Yeah, what a speech by Vanterberg there. Laura Dern stayed out. Uh, she went from 
international feature to presenting supporting actor to Daniel Kaluuya. That presentation was Dern reading the name of the nominee, then directly addressing them, basically having a one-way conversation while looking them in the eyes and talking about what she admired most about their performance. I thought it was a cool twist. It was a time-consuming twist, as everything was, because at the end of this category, we had given out four awards and we were over 40 minutes into the program. Yeah, it's like this... this <laughs> podcast episode mike but uh laura dern had a lot to atone for with that outfit that's all i'm gonna say so she yeah she had to deliver a good setup i i I agreed with you i thought you know it was it was overlong but the goods delivered were were good and and you know i maybe i just became an oscar pundit talking about fashion to this to this length but yeah i was mortified by what she was wearing and yet i was i was exhilarated by how she was doing up there uh, so I, yeah, I love Daniel Kaluuya winning here. Yeah. Thank God he won. Now we can call him officially an Oscar winner as opposed to a should be an Oscar winner. Like we've been doing for the last three years anyway. It's cool. Our very first episode, we're reviewing and gushing over Daniel Kaluuya's mm. performance in get out. That's over 500 episodes ago. That's uh, from 2017. And here he is in year four for us winning, winning that Oscar. So that, that's a cool moment for an MMO favorite like that to get this. And he also had one of the speeches of the night, I thought, because he was just a man happy to be alive. And he's talking about his mom, met his dad, they had sex. It's incredible, was one of the quotes from his speech. He's feeling on top of the world. And when one is on top of said world, Mike, uh, one can celebrate their parents having sex to bring that one into the world. And uh, he will be here to forthwith uh, be on top of uh, the world that his parents had sex on. Yes. Good. Very good. Oh, we went from that to getting our first look at Spielberg's West Side Story coming out this December. Yeah, I, I'm not a huge fan of this. I mean, some production values were excellent, but uh, Spielberg, what are you doing, man? I've loved you for so long. And some of these movies of late just feel like mass-produced factory jobs. What are we also, doing? Also, I, I think this was, uh, I think it was my buddy Brett who uh, tweeted this at us, but this looks like a shot-for-shot remake. Yeah, it, it also is like avoiding the story and the characters. I, I think they're trying to be the teaser trailer here. But we got goosebumps f- with the In the Heights In the Heights, and, yeah. I mean, getting to know those characters briefly in the in the trailer that I keep seeing on, and every time I go to the movies. I, I, this is looking like Spielberg's going to Eastwood this one. Yeah, I, I I'm think afraid. he might. Pre- and I, I'm, I'm already getting upset. I, I tweeted this going into the Oscars, but I'm getting upset about every. I can already see the lists where this is on everyone's best picture contender list. And this is, we know nothing about it. And that first look didn't look great. <laughs> Look, we review a lot of trailers on the show. The music was, like, off-tone. It didn't make sense. Like, I'm still rooting for this movie. There's, like, stars sure. that I want to see be born in, in West Side Story. Sure. And obviously we're trepidatious with the Ansel Elgort story, and that is probably why they didn't focus, you know, they didn't focus Could the be. first trailer on the characters right there. Could be. Uh, Don Cheadle came back from commercial. He presented hair and makeup to Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. Sergio Lopez, Mia Neal, and Jamika Wilson. I legitimately clapped and cheered in my living room because it's about fucking time this happened. Yes, and I clapped and cheered before this fucking thing happened because his bow tie, Don Cheadle, matched his <laughs> beard, which was brilliant. But no, this was a wonderful moment. It was a no-brainer. Jazz Tanke uh, said this was going to happen on our show. Jazz Tanke from Variety Mike. Uh, the hairstyling reflected the time. Viola Davis was transformed, unrecognizable. Uh, this was a historic win. It was a deserved win. It was an industry 
you know, wanting to pay tribute to these artisans. And it was right. And I'm thrilled that me and Neil stepped up to the moment. And I've criticized below the line people giving speeches before. But, you know, you you got emotional. We got emotional watching her speak. Yeah, she crushed it, too. And and that one of the highlights legitimately of the night and why it's so frustrating the way it ended. and It's going to be remembered for the way it is. But one of the highlights was there was a lot of like ceilings being shattered there was a lot of moments i mean chloe Zhao winning best director only the second woman ever to do it the first woman of color to ever do it. like it, there was a lot of glass ceilings being shattered before our eyes not least of which was me and neil and jamika wilson here being the two first two black women to win hair and makeup never mind be nominated for hair and makeup as well and jazz wrote about all year and talked about with us and talked about all year on on award circuit the the variety podcast there that there are roadblocks. There are roadblocks we would never have thought right. would have been put in the way of these artisans of color in this industry at this particular time. It is mind-boggling. So this is certainly overdue, but yeah. and and yet it's still worth celebrating. Of Absolutely, even, even though it's overdue, and I think that was the the mood of the room at that moment. So we were we were heading in the right direction. Yeah, agree. Don Cheadle stayed out there, presented costume design to Anne Roth from Ma Rainey's Black Bottom as well. Anne wasn't there, so the Academy ended up accepting on her behalf, and uh, we went right into commercial from there, Michael. Yeah, if you're in your 80s, if you're 89 years young, yeah. you can just skip the Oscars. I agree. think that's, uh, Jazz is two for two, but you, Anne Roth doesn't need to be there. Uh, congratulations to her, though. My God, what an incredible achievement. <laughs> Brian Cranston welcomed us back from commercial, and he presented one of the two humanitarian awards of the night. This one went to the Motion Picture and Television Fund. So this was to the to the uh, old folks' homes, the caretakers there? I think was? so. I had a, for, I was dealing with dogs, admittedly, but I also had a tough time figuring out exactly what was going on and what this was awarding. It seemed like a fund that just helps any veteran actors in need. Yes. yes. So th- this is, th- there were two humanitarian awards. One was for this fund and the other one comes up for, for Tyler Perry. And mm-hmm. this one made me think cynically of I Care A Lot on Netflix, the Rosamund <laughs> Pike movie, but also of The Mole Agent, the adorable movie about yes. uh, elder care. Uh, the undercover, uh, yeah. Yes, just wonderful. And and look, th- this one touched my heart because my grandmother is in uh, a home right now. She's 91 years old. She had COVID. She was nursed back to health from COVID by heroes. Heroes risking their own health, yes. risking their own Amen. lives, caring for our loved ones uh, all year. And it, they're the most vulnerable of our population. And here we have... Just, just heroes doing this for the Hollywood community as well. So, uh, of course, during these times, that you pay tribute to them, and that's great. And I just hope that they don't pass that Oscar around like a Super Bowl trophy and give everybody COVID <laughs> uh, from everybody kissing it. I think that would be kind of the antithesis of what should happen. The greatest irony of all. <laughs> We've said it now. Don't screw that up, whoever's in charge. Cranston, not, not a joke. I thought you were going there. <laughs> I didn't know if I should say it, but whatever. It's, we, we didn't sleep much. No. Uh, he introduced Bong Joon-ho from the Dolby Cinema in Seoul, and my God, did Bong Joon-ho look beautiful as a silhouette, but that was to present Best Director, which again was presented very early in the night and kind of the first red flag for, for us, uh, but Best Director went, as I think the fifth award given out, to Chloe Zhao. It's a shame that Bong Joon-ho could not get in front of the Oscars room 
after what he Agreed. accomplished Agreed. last year. That's a shame. He's in Seoul. He's in a movie theater. That's cool. I'm glad they utilized that that space there, and that's fun. And he did give, he did deliver a speech about directing, and 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 yeah, it, it works. I just, uh, I, I, you know, I wish that's that could have been different but that's like one of those miss you know that's one of those situations that you forgive like chloe zhao was inevitable we we gave her a a big send up and prologue and then she of course delivered a a very moving speech a big picture speech that she really hadn't given a lot of she kind of gave the end of knives out coffee mug speech (laughs) (laughs) the end of the armas thing gesture as a speech for most of the award season when she wasn't paying tribute uh to her crew people so you know, she had a he had a catchphrase or two, but like this this was her big big speech, uh, their first big speech on the night, and it really worked. Yeah, I, I agree. And there was a lot of speeches of positive impact on the night, even though I thought the presentations did run a little long. I mean, Bong Joon Ho was certainly unique in the way he set up his presentation, saying that he asked each one of the nominees how would they describe uh, directing to an eight year old in twenty seconds. That was cool, but it it just takes so long to get through. And it wasn't just this category; there was others at the night that I was kind of worried about where we were time wise and thinking we were going to be up until one or two a.m. with this program. Yeah, I mean, these are the choices they made here. Like, we're going to yeah. shoo the original songs. We're going to shoo more comedy bits for presentations like this one right i wish they could have tied in the theatrical experience a little more me too it's yeah it didn't really work uh riz ahmed after a commercial presented best sound to sound of metal which is one of the heaviest favorites on the night yeah integral to the plot it had to win i actually got this one right so i'm happy (laughs) stayed out there and presented live action short to two distant strangers yeah, we changed this pick. We're idiots. We yeah, knew we this was going to win. Yeah. And then we let that beautiful mustachioed Oscar <laughs> Isaac change our minds because we loved his short film, The Letter Room. And then we realized later that might have been plagiarized for Christ. I don't even know. I didn't, like IndieWire came out with an article like, did that short get plagiarized? Was that known? We are Oscar pundits. We need to dig in more to the live action short category. This one burns me, Michael, because we knew we had this right and we changed it the last second. We're idiots. We were on that potentially plagiarized story, though, weren't we? I don't think so. That yeah, mean, maybe were you I, on the it? viral skit that went the Groundhog Day for a Black Man, right? No, but that's a different. There was a oh, there, there's problems all over the live action. Oh, shorts. there's another we should one. Know oh, this. I didn't see that. Okay, all the right. The most controversial category of the group, and not not for two distant strangers. <laughs> two distant strangers, very ambitious sorts, uh, short saying all the right things. It got a lot of publicity, and we're we're very glad for it. The short did not work for us. So let's be honest. Yeah. It's on Netflix right now. I did not like that film. I didn't think it landed. I had storytelling issues with it. I had tonal issues with it. They had the Palm Springs tone with a as serious a subject as that one. That didn't work for me at all. But an attention grabbing speech. Uh, Van Latham, part of the Ringer, was an Oscar winner because of this short I saw last night on Instagram. So congrats to him. Congrats to the Ringer. I thought it was a great speech too. Another uh, attention grabbing speech from uh, a below the line category that I wasn't expecting anything from. And that's a, an example of the speeches working well. And they were talking about police brutality. Uh, today, police will kill three people. Tomorrow, police will kill three people. It's disproportionately black people that end up getting killed. I thought that was a, an impactful speech. Look, at the end of the day, I'm going to prefer the Joe Biden, Tyler Perry speech of trying to bring people together. Sure. Uh, That's, you know, I might be speaking out of white ignorance there. And this is the flip side of that, uh, where these guys are pissed and they made a a short film being Mm -hmm. righteously angry uh, about these these names that they pay tribute to at the end. And thank God for them. 
It's just, it, 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 these are talented guys. They deserve uh, to be hired for future progress. They showed their talent in that short film. They showed their, uh, their gravitas on stage. And it, it, it's a cool moment when, when a short film speech, you know, strikes a nerve. And even, you know, even yeah. though... Agreed. Even though, yeah, Tyler Perry did, did did a better job of it, fine. He's Tyler Perry. That's and why we're going to get to, I mean, the Tyler Perry speech was one of the ones of the night, too. Oh, I'm just getting angry. The highlights that we cover are making me so much more angry and frustrated with how this is going to be remembered. Because they could have ordered it differently if they right. knew, if Price Waterhouse just right. said to Steven Soderbergh, and say, hey, here's a little, right. here's a little envelope. All you had some... to do was break the rule once. <laughs> they should break the rule every year to one person who needs to know. Right. I, oh God, I agree. All right. Reese Witherspoon <laughs> presented animated short to, of course, If Anything Happens, I Love You. Best short of the year, I think, yeah. in any category. Heartbreaking. I'm glad it won. It's on Netflix. Watch it. This was also the first moment where it seemed like the pace was being picked up. Reese Witherspoon came right back from commercial and started presenting the noms before the applause had even died down. I'm wondering if ABC got in somebody's ear or Soderbergh got in somebody's ear there because it seemed like the pace got uh, had to be quickened there as we were getting a little long in the tooth. But Reese Witherspoon stayed out there and presented animated feature as well. That went to Seoul. Yeah, our favorite film of the year. Soul is our number one, our collective number one. This has happened three years in a row somehow, Michael. We've had three (laughs) number one films in a row. Soul is it this year. Pixar, we love Pixar. We did the Pixar rewatch. i got to stop plugging old stuff we've done. We've done a lot of old stuff that that we're proud of. Look, we we needed this to happen, I think, for our sanity. We still love Wolf Walkers. Go watch that on Apple TV+. Plus. But this was cool. Pete Doctor is one of our favorites in the industry as well. Pete Doctor is a legend, I think, at this point. Uh, in in charge far... of our favorite company, Pixar. Yes. Yeah. And and as far as presentation, we had clips for the animated features, but not clips for anything really up to this point, which was bizarre. And Film Twitter made sure to take note of. And Pete Doctor get up, got up there and did give the speech for Soul. And it's just nice to see the consistency the Oscars bring of having tall white men talk about the importance of jazz. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with you there. Uh, but Ryan Gosling may bristle at your sarcasm, and then he'll just shrug and go back to doing Ryan Gosling things. Out of commercial, Marley Matlin came back, presented Best Documentary Short to Colette, which I think was the first real upset of the night, about an hour and a half plus into the show. Well, this is cool for a myriad of reasons. Number one, Marley Matlin's going to be in a really strong film on Apple TV Plus coming soon called Coda that I hope is involved in next year's Oscars, but... Colette, Michael, Colette, we had a premonition about Colette. We talked about it on air, and yet we did not officially predict Colette. Is this because of our affections for Tony Colette and her recent (laughs) snubifications? Why were we so rattled that we wouldn't go with our gut on this one and pick Colette and Doc Short? We we loved uh, uh, Concerto's A Conversation. We loved that short more, and we went with that one. But we knew Colette was going to win. We said it. We were... So frustrated by every, and Concerto was a conversation, wasn't even the leader in the category as far as betting odds go, but we were so frustrated in our prediction show because we just kept picking favorites or first or second place odds. And we're like, we know this isn't going to happen. <laughs> like, we know we're going to be wrong. We are not a prediction show. We're just not. <laughs> we do it at the end of the year. Unless once. we're right. 
Unless we're right, we're a prediction show. When I get 20 right, then we are a prediction show, and I told you all along, and right, how cool exactly. I am. Yeah. Just as long as we're all on the same page here, dear listener. You got it? But, no, seriously, like, we, we want the conversation, right, Mike? I mean, we've right. talked about this in, in principle. Like, we have, like, 11 months of conversation, or in this case, exactly. 13 months of conversation, and we bookend it with prediction shows. So we did that this year, too. I mean, I look, we talk about the horse race all the time, but we're not just saying this is going to win, and then we, we're staunch about it. We do that at the end, because we have to in a prediction show and we're insufferable right in that uh show we did early last week for these reasons but that's the only time we're that way <laughs> harley matlin stayed out there and presented documentary feature to of course my octopus teacher one can we put this fucking category on probation officially now <laughs> they're on double secret proba- probation right now there's no question because for the last four years they ignore the crowd pleasing documentary. Literally, if a documentary actually made real money at the box yeah. office and then win wins all kinds of awards, whether it's PGA, whether it's critical awards, whatever, that documentary film branch doesn't even nominate those movies. And then if there's a, a, a you know a darling that was in fact nominated, they still don't pick it for a win. So this is a this is a bizarre win because, yes, My Octopus Teacher is a crowd pleaser, is a fan favorite. I watched it. I loved it. I love My Octopus Teacher. I, we reviewed it a while back, I think. Yeah, but it's not Dick Johnson there. is Dead. It's not Crip Camp. Right. That's fine. I mean, I get it. Like, I get why they don't go certain routes. They, they want to go, you know, they had important documentaries in this category. Time Collective, The Mole right. Agent, etc., but yeah, I mean, Apollo Eleven, won't you be my neighbor? Jane, Dick mm-hmm. Johnson is dead, snubbed, super yeah. snubbed, and we have a global pandemic, and all of a sudden they they change gears and just totally flummox us. And the acceptance speech here, <laughs> look, I understand it's your moment, but this is when I was starting to get like it's almost ten o'clock. We're at like right. seven awards into the night. <laughs> well, let's either- hurry it up. These are documentarians, and Foster started filming My Octopus Teacher 10 years ago. So they're very patient. They sift through a lot of footage. And you know who's look, not, Mike? I know. But they could have talked about Rosetta the Octopus for, for 10 minutes, and I would have been riveted. Instead, whatever they're doing there, I, I agree. Get off the stage. Stephen Yoon, coming back from commercial, presented Best Visual Effects to Tenet. Michael, after all of your campaigning, second only to Christopher Nolan, this is your moment. Tenet no. officially an Oscars winner. I don't even want the moment. I don't even want it. Because here, this, here's the thing. Tenet is my 2020. It was long, repetitive, incomprehensible, and sad, Tenet. Uh, I still dug deep and I found things to love in Tenet mm-hmm. uh, with a lot of film study and research and what does it all mean sleuthing. I loved doing all that. It was a whole experience for me, Tenet. But to reduce this all to one VFX win uh, from a building blowing up or winding it and having that building blow up. They blew again, up a we, building? We know this is why it got the trophy, and but that's not enough for me. Tenet, I wanted more from Tenet. I wanted more for Tenet. I wanted more Tenet working for us as cinema goers and WB, my God, did they misplay this year? I'm glad they've, they've kind of figured things out a little bit. I'm, I'm rooting for them doing the day and day stuff, but tenant tenant. I wanted more. Well, I, I I'm sorry that tenant won an Oscar. <laughs> I don't know how to, 
I'm just sick of apologizing for Tenet and Mank and all these movies that I know are flawed as all hell that I still like. And I'm tired of apologizing. Malcolm and Marie. I really like Malcolm and Marie. And I just, I'm tired of apologizing for them. I know they got issues. And I know that the reverse fighting for 20 minutes in the middle of the movie is stupid. But fine. It's The building blew up. It blew up again. And they rewinded it. And then other things blew up. It was cool. Well, from there, we went. We went from uh, Tenant winning to Mike Chagrin to Brad Pitt coming out, presented supporting actress Yoo Jung Yoon, one of the moments of the night. But it was predecessed again by action in the books because the odds were heavy on Yoon all night. I mean, there was no movement within her line on Vegas. People, it seemed to be, were putting in money on her, and that bared fruit. It came to fruition. She was the favorite. She became a more heavy and more entrenched favorite as Showtime drew near, and she won. We had one of our greatest conversations of the year with Amanda of Swell Entertainment in our Supporting Actress episode before Ya Jung Yoon would go on and sweep the rest of the season with SAG, BAFTA, and Oscar. But you're right. I mean, Vegas was going this way. She mm-hmm. was shortening uh, over the last month or so in this category that was wide open, that vexed us all year, Supporting Actress. It vetted the other nominees, and let's be honest, it vetted them. Uh, throughout the season, it gave awards here and there, and it came back to Ya Jung Yoon, who was the critical darling early on, who won mm-hmm. the most awards there. It came back to her, and she carried the torch for it. She did a great job with this speech. She was hilarious. She oh, she five, was awesome. Five bona fide jokes here. The the Mr. Brad Pitt, finally. Nice to meet you. I <laughs> laughed out loud. And there was, was a couple producer, moments yeah. within this category, too. I mean, Brad Pitt say, welcoming Maria Bakalova to Hollywood, basically, and you could see her getting all flushed and, like, embarrassed and stuff. That was really cool, too. But, yeah, the highlight of this certainly was Yu Jung Yoon's speech and just forgiving everyone forever for mispronouncing her name. And she was just the, everybody's grandmother. Like, I just wanted to hug her. She forgave us for being ignorant idiots, <laughs> but we're not alone in being ignorant I- idiots here. Again, I apologize for some things, but I, you know, that are solely my fault because I looked up her pronunciation like a hundred times throughout the season. Yeah, you did. Because the effing Baftas mis- mispronounced her name throughout the Baftas. They said Yu Jung Yoon and the Oscar noms. God bless Priyanka Chopra Jonas and 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 her beau. They mispronounced her name as well. So. Instead of guilt tripping us, she somehow is is a class act and act and makes a joke to make us all feel better. And then, like I said, she's got four more zingers talk, calling out her kids, making her work at seventy three. Yes. hilarious. <laughs> yes, awesome stuff. <laughs> Certainly. Uh, oh, God, I'm so angry, Mike. Like all I want to do is talk about this. I want to talk about this Francis McDormand's upset. Like, I, but we can't. And just we have to have twenty five minutes of talking about what the hell's the Academy thinking instead. So, Oscar's gonna Oscar, I guess. We come out of commercial. Holly Berry presented two awards, both to Mank. Production design was the favorite that was expected to go to Mank, but in an upset, cinematography, and we saw it happening all week, we saw it happening all day, but cinematography ends up going to Mank and not Nomadland. So Jazz Tange is three for three with production design, and yes, cinematography, the gambling odds moved late, that ASC guild uh, thing really paid off here, but look, I mean, everybody's going to do their narratives and their 
Monday morning quarterbacking. It's going to drive me nuts. The guilds didn't follow through in like half the categories, yeah, no. and they did follow through in the other half of the categories. And we're going to talk to Ryan McQuaid later on chasing the gold. I hope he doesn't go back to that narrative. I'm going to I'm going to jump at him. I'm going to jump. No, it was it was I a no filter. It totally was. Yeah, you're absolutely. I got right. I, I mean, got an Oscar three recording day podcasting uh, <laughs> schedule here. I got no filter. It's going to be an adventure. Uh, it already is right now. <laughs> and I'll tell you another thing. <laughs> But yeah, cinematography was moving towards Mank all day in the books. It bears fruit. Uh, from there, we went to a preview of In the Heights, and it's not the first time we've seen In the Heights preview, but it, it it's just stark how much more I want to see that than I do what I saw from West Side Story right now. I'll be honest with you. Yeah, I just, I want to see In the Heights. And if you tell me that West Side Story is not going to get nominated for X amount of Oscars, I'm not really rushing to see that right yeah. now. I agree. Harrison Ford, coming out of a commercial, presented film editing, one of the more coin-flippy categories of the night, and Sound of Metal, maybe in a bit of an upset, ends up winning it. So it's a good job by you here. You said nothing for the trial of Chicago 7, and I think you had a lot of Seinfeld quotes going through your head from the soup Nazi there. (laughs) Well, I I know you. I do now. (laughs) No, I know you. You're like, no, it's the most populous one that I mentioned because I'm not as big of a Seinfeld fan as you, but Michael, I'm cool with Mank winning cinematography here. I thought it was, uh, it was great. I, I don't think I'm as, as cool with sound of metal winning editing on the day because I did have a bias for the trial of Chicago seven sevens editing. I thought that was the best editing of the year by a wide margin. So I stubbornly stayed with the trial even though there's obviously ample room. But the, like you said, this was a coin flip. These these were both minus 110 mm-hmm. even money. Uh, is that even money? Well, it's just the standard VIG. I mean, it's it's the, right. any sports bet in Vegas is when they set the line, you're paying 110 for it most time, nine How times out of How much cash do you have in your pocket right now? That's not important. We can talk about that later <laughs> off air. Uh, I don't have any. Go ahead. <laughs> Harrison Ford, I thought, did a great job reading the criticisms of Blade Runner's editing but because Blade Runner is remembered so fondly as a classic that it is, doesn't the fact that he was reading criticisms kind of undercut the use for a film editing category at the Oscars altogether? Because, like, what does it matter how these films are viewed in their editing process at the time? What's going to matter is their longevity? I think I just went on a tirade like Ralphie's dad in a Christmas story. <laughs> just frack him, frack him. I didn't pay attention to any of this. I'm just going to be honest with you. I did. I, Harrison Ford wasn't talking loud enough, and I didn't pay attention. Okay. I had nothing. <laughs> Sound of Metal, to me, all year was kind of like that Ford v. Ferrari redo. I just thought it was going to be a technical mastery type yeah. thing and do well in the technical categories. That's why I picked it for editing. You tweeting after trial lost this Oscar that trial may only win best picture. I don't think I've ever been more upset with you for putting something out into the ether. Cause I did not want that to be a reality. I reversed any reverse jinxes there. So you're <laughs> welcome. How dare you? How dare me? We had, look, we, Mike, we have unleashed our wrath. I should, I should pronounce it like this wrath <laughs> upon the trial of the Chicago seven for literally what has been nine months now yeah. since it's trailer. Yeah. Like we're having West side story vibes right now as a bad trailer because we just spent a year trial of Chicago seven paid off a bad trailer with a, a movie that we didn't like. 
then we got aggravated with the punditry for placing on the pedestal early on. And most people in our space said it was winning Best Picture for most of this year until Nomadland started its sweep. But that was only recently, the last four months or so. Most mm-hmm. of this year, The Trial of Chicago 7 was winning Best Picture. It was the default pick. It was the traditional yeah. pick. And I spoke the demon's name and took away its power here. <laughs> I said Pazuzu, and you're welcome. It couldn't win after what I did. I'm taking credit. That's one of your best jokes you've ever made. Congratulations. <laughs> we're Viola. about to review a lot of horror movies. The Conjuring, the Devil Made Me Do It. We're gonna we're transitioning. Yeah. Viola Davis presented the second humanitarian award of the night to Tyler Perry. Just going over Perry's highlights: making camp quarantine, giving all his uh, employees access to the vaccine quicker. Uh, he went on stage, gave this speech about how he gave shows to a homeless woman once. And he remembered his self being homeless and having shoe one pair of shoes that was really worn down. And he would kill for a second pair of shoes and talked about, you know, bringing everyone in and meeting in the middle. I could hope one day we would all refuse hate. My Lord, what a speech, what a moment. It was like, it was, it reminded me vividly of the Oprah Winfrey speech from a couple of years ago at the Golden Globes, where it seemed like if he wanted to announce he was running for some kind of public office off that right. campaign speech, I would have voted for him. It brought people together. Best speech of the night, uh, in my opinion. He told a story, he proved a theme, and he got it all done in like two and a half minutes. Yeah. And the room, my family in the room, loved him for it. And look, we don't love Tyler Perry's movies. We just don't. No, but uh, we love the man. We love the man. And we. I want to see him do more dramatic work. I think, uh, I think it, it, his production companies are a, a statement to the industry's progress. And it's not progress that the industry has bestowed upon him it is progress that he's earned from the ground up so this is a man mm-hmm. that is that is just won his success and here he is giving shoes away and awesome. admitting the fact that he was a homeless guy back in the day before before that meteoric rise so this is just incredible and you, th- you yeah i mean this could have been a moment to self-aggrandize or pat himself on the back. It wasn't. It, this was him turning it into like we like we've been saying that uh, that speech about coming together and saying to to everyone we that we we got to do this now or never. Yeah. I, I appreciated it. Truly, I mean, truly a hero. Composed as a hero. I mean, just unbelievable. Great guy. Uh, just an actual hero. I lost for words great speech great man uh going to commercial coming out zendaya greeted us presented original score to soul john batiste i thought gave another great speech we did have a lot of good speeches yes uh thanking god for the 12 notes that he gave everybody loved it i just didn't love the background because there was trent Reznor and atticus ross just these two sweaty <laughs> gargoyles <laughs> just standing over him like and, okay. and Atticus Ross had this expression on his face. Like, what is he doing? And Batiste is delivering this magnificent speech. And I just kept looking at these two weird <laughs> dudes in the background. I, I heard Nine Inch Nails in my head. And I was like, what is happening? Going to have to cancel our upcoming interview with Nine Inch Nails, I think, after that. I love them. I, we, that was our favorite score of the year, our favorite movie of the year. And it was weird. It was a weird speech. Like, put them off to the side. But they should be, you know, shaking each other's hand and hugging. They shouldn't be sitting there frozen. Like flexing what the hell are they doing <laughs> biggest upset of the night at least from a vegas betting standpoint zendaya came, was still out there giving original song to fight for you from her and judas and the black messiah plus five thousand that's 50 to one yeah as of 
our prediction show last week, Mike. So this is the longest shot that we've ever seen win at the Oscars. So shout out to you for, for having this as your number one all year. Shout out to Scott Feinberg, who did an, a marvelous interview with her, a.k.a. Gabby Wilson, uh, on Awards Chatter, that great podcast. A lot of these nominees he interviewed this year is must-listen. I wanted to give him that shout out because it's like my one of my favorite podcasts. Mm-hmm. So. If you sprinkled here, that sprinkle would have turned into a, a, a lot of money. I'm furious. I did not. <laughs> furious. I'm furious about how this song was treated in the run-up. I'm furious about the lack of respect it got. And everybody being like, oh my god, what a performance her did in the pre-show with her. And how that was the hammer spot. And it, like, it was the biggest, uh, the most impactful, most emotional presentation and performance of the original song nominees. All I was like, yeah, no shit. <laughs> Mm-hmm. It was very, very good. It's been very good all year long. Well, it, this threw us on the roller coaster of emotions, too, because we were like, wait a minute, are we getting a late breaker here? Is Judas and the Black Messiah going to actually yep. shock us with a best yep. picture? And David Long. Is David Long just, going to pay me money into my hand today? Yeah, it's <laughs> happening. And after the few, last few years, it was it was crazy. And we're like, we're getting excited at this point. Then there was this whole thing on film Twitter. Oh, maybe it's promising young woman now. And mm-hmm. you know, we, we, everybody's talking about the intrigue over best picture and it's bringing up all these possibilities. Cause the trial of Chicago seven has just drifted, drifted back and it doesn't have a chance most likely at this point. And even though I spoke the demon's name, you know, I think, <laughs> you know, you were a little gun shy and, and cringy a little bit, but yeah. I, I thought, I thought, all right, maybe we're getting something weird happening, but well, we got something weird happen, Mike. That's for sure. It just wasn't in Best Picture. Uh, let's go back. We're going to track back one final time. We'll discuss the setup to these three final awards that we spent the first 20 minutes or so talking about. Uh, 10.40 Eastern Time. We just kind of abandoned the structure and the form of the program up to that night and do something Jimmy Fallon related, basically, where we have this fun Name That Oscars song trivia game run by Questlove where it all crescendos in... Glenn Close, knowing what debut is, doing the dance for debut, <laughs> rhyming off and just listing off all of the facts about debut and its use in this Spike Lee song, uh, Spike Lee movie, excuse me. It was great. We were so skeptical and we were had. We were had oh, yeah. like fools. We were putty in their hands. I was wincing while Questlove played Purple Rain by Prince to Andrew Day and Lil Rel asked her, if it was an Oscar winner, a nominee, yeah. or a snub, and she brought the house down by basically getting bleeped and silenced yes. there by, by saying basically it was BS <laughs> that the Academy snubbed it. Of course, the Academy effing idiots would Oh, and by it. the way, Andre Day, hope you enjoyed being nominated because the, the backhanded insult there. It's an awesome song, so I bet the Academy snubbed it. <laughs> no, but it, she was great. She was great. Oh, she was awesome. We she, realized, I, I loved it. Absolutely loved it. Well, after the fact, we realized that she was putting us on there, and Daniel Kaluuya is the further setup. <laughs> And he gets interviewed. And then Glenn Close, as you tweeted during the night, she deserved an Oscar for this performance, Michael. I mean, she was brilliant. And they didn't go for a lot of comedy on the night. And I'm grateful for that because award shows killed most of the comedy <laughs> in the world, left in the world. It's a it's a it's a endangered resource. And it after this pandemic, comedy is dead. <laughs> Just most of it's dead. But Double N doing the butt. Yeah. One of the more ingenious punchlines in award show comedy history. I was so happy. And I think she deserves an Oscar for whatever the F movie she wants to do next. She wants to do Corella DeVille 3 
I'm I'm in, and I don't even want a Cruella Deville movie, but I I'm in. Her Sunset team, Boulevard remake. Let's go. Whoever convinced this convinced her to do it or pitched it to her or whoever came up this is a genius marketing tactic. if you don't think she was immediately she's already campaigning for this year's oscars or next year's or whenever sunset boulevard is going to come out this was genius to put this out there and And she killed it she almost saved the night with this yes agree this was the highlight for me this was was laughing out loud i was clapping yeah, this was the one thing that they saved, knowing it was good, knowing it that was really funny, and you had Lil Rel and you had Andrew Day with the setup powers, and it was it was great, and you had them making fun of old white people a little bit, and white people in general. Like that's yes. great. We, we need that. We need to just relax, and everybody you know makes fun of themselves a little bit, and it was it was brilliant. We went from that to Questlove giving us the first look at his, what's going to be directorial debut, Summer of Soul. Not much of a teaser in this one, but it was, you kind of got the idea of what he might be going for, I think. I seen it at Sundance. I can attest to the fact that it is very good. I actually watched it uh, over my parents' house with them. And, you know, they lived through this time period. They never knew about the festival and we all had a great time watching it. Uh, We had, uh, we had, it's a great concert film and, you know, there's a, there's a few lulls in the film. It doesn't have the pacing that you would hope keeps up. But, you know, it's not. I wouldn't say it's an A, but it's it's a really strong B+. I enjoyed it. It's coming to Hulu pretty soon. Watch it. Speaking of problems with pacing, it's the wheels came off completely when we got back from commercial after that. After the high that Glenn Close and DeButt brought us, Angela I'm Bassett. I'm still tweeting about it. You're still tweeting yeah. about it. We want the gifts. We're, yeah. we're like, let's go. And then we just got to go, oh. So Angela Bassett comes out and presents the in memoriam section. And people were furious about this because of the pacing of this. I imagine the pacing was so quick because they were already rubbing up against 11 p.m. And you know the local news needs to get their stuff in. And ABC knows that. And this was a very unique in memoriam already because of the elongated year and because of the number of just massive names we lost. How they handled this, I thought, was very poor because it felt like it was on fast forward when it didn't need to be because they had spent so much time earlier in the show letting people give their long speeches and not really cutting them off, not playing the music. This was another layup that they just missed. This was another you know, tap in on the golf course that mm-hmm. they just failed at. It was just dumb. The music didn't work. The music was weirdly upbeat. They were trying to be positive, but it just came off looking so bad. The yeah. fact that this was expedited, of all things, in a pandemic year and the year that everybody went through, if you had a beautiful song over a long uh, presentation of the In Memoriam, memoriam nobody would have been upset by that if it ended with chadwick boseman nobody would have been upset by that we could have had just a beautiful moment would have been a sad moment would have been something that you probably shouldn't you know put on the heels of the butt yeah (laughs) right well that's that's part of the outrage too is that like yes the glenn close thing was very funny and very cool stick that earlier in the show don't have that run up against 11 p.m which is when you know you're slotted i mean 11 30 is the absolute end date i would think when they the local tried. news has to come on by so maybe put that comedy section in the yeah. square middle of the show so you're not bumping doing what sounds feels like bumping the in memoriam section to have to be in fast forward mode they could have put the comedy skit in between other stuff they mm-hmm. knew they had a banger why didn't they do that they could they knew they had an in memoriam segment that could could have worked and they just they squandered the opportunity that 
and they, they totally screwed up the tone of the show, and it, it's really a shame. And not to mention the emotional impact that left going out from the in-memoriam section, because you have this picture of Chadwick you do end on. He gets the hammer of the in-memoriam section, and then everybody figures, well, of course they're going to celebrate Chadwick now with Best Actor. I certainly did. And then yeah. you see Best Picture be presented third to last, and they, of course they're going to celebrate Chadwick. And that's part of the building up. That's the screw-up of the night, is that they heightened these expectations. They played with everyone's emotions, not least of which is Chadwick's family and friends. And then the night ends, basically. Anthony Hopkins isn't here. Okay, good night, everybody. Credits. If they shuffled things around, in hour two, we mm-hmm. had Glenn Close and that great joke, and we had the In Memoriam segment, like at bookends at hour two, right? Yeah. And then in hour three, we just did the traditional thing where we went actor, actress, director, some order there, followed by picture. Are we going to be a little aggravated that Chadwick Boseman lost? Are we going to be a little aggravated that Anthony Hopkins wasn't there? Okay, maybe. Are we going to be a little aggravated that it was a kind of a whole hum finish and it wasn't like this uproarious thing? But look, we were all ready for that. Everybody's it would have been the Oscars. Were, yeah. It, it would have been, been the Oscars. Oscars. We would have felt like it. we watched the Oscars instead of... It would of, have been a train wreck. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, this felt like a dumpster fire. It's such a shame because they had the ingredients. And again, we talk about these award shows needing to like tell a story and be an experience, right? And... and it's a sum of its parts, and yet here we just have them out of order, but maybe the parts were there from the begin with. They just screwed up the delivery. I don't want to hear anyone in the Academy complaining about ratings this year. I really don't. I won't have the stomach for it. Equally, I don't want to ever hear this person can't win this Oscar because they just won it after Renee Zellweger last year and now Francis McDormand this year. <laughs> There's a lot of narratives <laughs> and a lot of punditry things and Monday morning quarterback backing that we don't want to hear mm-hmm. and we, we find insufferable just in general and uh i feel bad for ryan later we're gonna record <laughs> hopefully <laughs> hopefully he's still a good buddy after this jason nicole episode mike i really don't want to i mean but then again he deals with joey uh we love right. joey too for right. the Academy. <laughs> he does not hold back joey we respect that man you talked about him yeah he speaks with his full chest full chest put it all out there absolutely <laughs> uh so the ending of the show is where we started this show uh you can go back up top listen to the first 20 25 minutes of this program to hear our thoughts there let's end this program and our final look and final wrap-up of basically 2020's film year with how it ended at the Oscars. Let's talk about tallies by distributor and by film, Michael. Okay, by distributor we had Netflix in the lead with seven on the day. Octopus, Mank, Ma Rainey, Shorts. Disney had five, and that's Searchlight, Pixar, Nomadland 3, Soul 2. WB, Warner Brothers. I guess they backed into their winter there with <laughs> you know late Sundance. Alright, fine, but they had a great movie in Judas and the Black Messiah, which won two Oscars, which is very cool, and one for Tenet. We had Sony Pictures Classics, Sony there, winning two from The Father, Amazon Prime, two from Sound of Metal, A24, one from Minari, and NBC Universal, Samuel Goldwyn, The Guardian even, had one apiece as well. Michael Tallies by film. Nomadland ended up going three of six on the night, maybe a little below what people expected from it. It did win picture, director, and actress, so those are three big ones, even though actress probably the biggest surprise of those. Uh, It did lose adapted screenplay, it did lose editing, and maybe the biggest shock of all was losing cinematography. As far as other films that won multiple Oscars, Mank won two of ten, which is 
you know, 100% more than people expected Mank to win. So good for Mank right. there in winning cinematography and production design. The Father went two of six, winning Best Actor and Adapted Screenplay. Judas won two of six in Supporting Actor and Original Song. Sound of Metal also went two of six on the night, Best Sound and Film Editing. Ma Rainey's, people were expecting maybe four awards. It only wins two, goes two of five in Makeup and Hairstyling and Costume Design. Soul also won two in Animated Feature and Original Score, going two for three on the night. Yeah, and in terms of some one fours, Minari uh, won one award for Ya Jung Yoon. I, I, yeah, I kind of wanted Minari to win more. I thought it was possible. It's kind of, but it just kind of didn't stack up for mm. for it to win more than one. It just it went into some buzz saws in certain categories, yeah. and it just it wasn't like like everybody's going to talk about power rankings of these films now. But no, I think there was support for for Minari for Promising Young Woman. They just didn't. It didn't shake out where they could win their matchup, so to speak. And Promising Young Woman, one for five, original screenplay, another round, one for two, international feature, Tenet, one for two, two Building Blew Up, rewinded oh. it. Yeah. My Octopus Teacher, and then obviously you got the three shorts, Colette, If Anything Happens to You, Two Distant Strangers, all one, one, Michael. And I think the Ofer, the Ofers here were surprising to me at the end of the day because I thought it was win one, but it was not surprising to you. You picked. Trial of Chicago 7 would go over. Very happy to see that, quite frankly. I don't mean to speak disparagingly, but we you said it before. We've had our issues with that film all year. We've tried to campaign against it in that way. It just We didn't want it remem- memorialized as an Oscar winner. We thought it was the wrong film. And I think it's a credit to the Academy, in a way. I mean, I would have been happier if something like Promising Young Woman did win Best Picture because it would have really shown some progress, I think. But still... Trial of Chicago 7 goes 0 for 6. It's the only Best Picture nominee to not win a single Oscar and lose all its categories, as well as some other 0 on the night. News of the World went 0 for 4. One Night in Miami, 0 for 3. Borat Subsequent Movie Film, Collective, Emma, Hillbilly, Elegy, Mulan, and Pinocchio all went 0 for 2. United States versus Billy Holiday, Pieces of a Woman, The White Tiger, others for the shorts went 0 for 1. So, it's in the books, man. We got a lot more recap coverage to come on In Session Film and InSessionFilm.com and their podcast feed, Chasing the Gold with Ryan McQuaid. We think we hope we got Ryan coming back. We think we hope for our Fallout episode where we'll kind of discuss some of these big stories a little more. We'll discuss, you know, kind of the bigger picture questions. And then we're turning the page, Mike. We're turning the page to our uh, the, the other time of year that we continue our predicting and it's our in our 100% accurate predictions for I'm next excited year's for that. Oscars. That's I am very fun. excited for that because I I'm 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 excited to talk about any movie <laughs> that isn't these movies we've talked about for the last 16 months. That's right. This was a long <laughs> year. We found some hidden gems. We're going to do a Mike Mike and Oscars. It's going to be weird. I'm going to write it. I'm not going to put it on anybody else to write it this year. Or we'll get back to the audience writing the Mike, Mike and Oscars in the future. You guys did a bang up job, but the, the what did they say in Mank? They did, they're going to spread the blame around. Well, we're not going to spread the blame around for the Mike, Mike and Oscars. I'm going to take sole blame for whatever I come up with for that episode, because this was a crazy year. It was a weird year. We're going to have some weird categories for that one. So hopefully it's fun. We're going to, uh, we're going to do some preview episodes and we're going to dive into the next series. We're going to do two Mike, two furious, (laughs) which I think is our working title. Yeah, we're doing it. We're doing it, man. At bat four with the fast nine there. We got a big guest for the uh, finale of that series that uh, 
we're, we're really pleased we booked and we're going to keep talking to guests throughout the season. We're going to keep reviewing movies. We're going to keep doing our new shows. Uh, we may even bring back MMO weekly. We're going to launch a website, Mike, Mike and These are all things that are on our to-do list. Whenever we, you know, come out of our, uh, cocoon. I was going to say, but first sleep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, got, again, dear listeners, Cannot be more thankful and grateful to each and every one of you. Uh, you've honestly blown us away with uh, the listening numbers, the nice yes. comments, the tweets, the interactions that you've given us all year long. We know this was a rough year for everybody for a litany of reasons, and we cannot thank you enough for uh, helping us be part of your day. And we will continue to uh, try and make, you know, at least listenable content if you want to send your lives. So, <laughs> no, in all seriousness, uh, cannot thank you all enough from the bottom of our hearts. Uh, we love you. We thank you. We hope that you enjoyed your Oscars night. We hope you enjoyed this Oscars recap. And if you have rage to spare or you have other thoughts, comments, questions, or ideas about anything else we do in this episode or elsewhere in the MMO Empire, we want to hear from you, as always, on our social medias. We are Mike, Mike, and Oscar on Facebook and Instagram, at MM and Oscar on Twitter, Mike, Mike, and Oscar at gmail.com.com, and on Reddit. We are available everywhere you hear podcasts, including the Apple Podcast feed. If you would give us a five-star review, those go a long way in helping us. Michael, you said what's coming next how about some words of wisdom to end the 2020 film year on i don't know if this is wise i don't know if this is true but it feels it feels right we are surviving this apocalypse together and i thank all of you out there uh, again like you said it is it is wise to thank our listeners and it is wise to rely on one another during these times so i think that the fact that we're living in these troubled times and yet coming together over the uh, internet here and you guys really you know chatted us up you know through social media yeah. at uh, on film twitter in particular so film twitter is a wondrous and terrible place but it's also <laughs> the former before it's the latter and you guys really we have a lot of fun talking to you on film twitter just dm us our dms are open uh we love talking with you we're going to get the website with more audience interaction in the future we're going to do some more of that you just came up with a great idea to do more audience interaction uh, on the show in particular so we're going to do all of that and we hope that this next year is better than the last one. Like, we just hope we need it to be. No it feels proper apocalypse. we end this year yeah. in a, a plea and through tears. <laughs> no more apocalypse, please. Uh, guys, when reality sucks, you can come recap the 2020 film year with us. We are Mike, Mike, and Oscar trying to make awards season year round without the stuffiness. We will see you all very soon. See ya. Oh,